There's something curious about this broadcast. This is Moscow. This is Moscow Corner. On the 12th of April, the Soviet Union orbited a spaceship around the Earth with a man on board. The astronaut is a Soviet citizen, Major Gagarin Yuri Alexeyevich. Ladies and gentlemen, you know it, you love it, you can't live without it. This is TGP Normal. Nominal. Damn. I'm Brian May. In 1961, a 27-year-old Yuri Gagarin became the first man ever to go out into space. He spent 108 minutes circling the Earth, and by doing so, extended the hand of man towards the stars. But he looked back to his home planet, and he said, and I quote, circling the Earth in my orbital spaceship, I marveled at the beauty of our own planet. People of the world, let us safeguard and enhance this beauty, not destroy it. I say to you, keep this in mind as we reach out and we thrill to the exploration we're able to undertake into the cosmos. Let us remember that first we need to learn the lessons that will enable us to take care of our own beautiful planet. Let us guard its beauty as Yuri Gagarin says, let us guard its biodiversity. And I put it to you, we can do more than that. We can treasure the lives and the dignity of every creature on this planet. Because we're all created equal, right? So let's think about it. And let's make a planet that we can be proud of before we colonize the rest of the universe. Hello everybody and welcome to this special edition of TGP Nominal, your monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction. I'm your host Mark Taylor and this episode is special because we're joining with others all over the world to take part in a global space party called Yuri's Night. Now usually at this point I would tell you a little bit more about Yuri's Night, but there's someone who knows a lot more about the event than I do. Hello and welcome to Yuri's Night. Um, my name is Loretta Whitesides. I'm a future astronaut at Virgin Galactic. I'm the founder of Yuri's Night. We're super excited. We kicked off this party in 2001. At the time, we said it was a party we wanted to be celebrated in 10,000 years in the future, a holiday that's still relevant to humanity, even when we're scattered among 12 different star systems. This event celebrates the anniversary of Yuri Gagarin, the first human to go into space, April 12, 1961. And also, 20 years later to the day, the United States had the first space shuttle flight takeoff, April 12, 1981. And so it's a conjunction of two extraordinary space anniversaries. And we like to use Yuri's night to celebrate the power of space to bring the world together. So that's what we're about. That's why we encourage people around the world to celebrate this day and to help unify our little planet here. And so we're super excited to have the UK involved and doing your part. There's a bunch of parties in Japan, in the Antarctica, as well as Africa and throughout the world. So this really is a global celebration. We're excited that the UN has declared this International uh, Human Space Flight Day. And I just get moved just thinking about what we're capable of as a species when we put aside our egos and do what's best for the future of of our cosmos. And I am really passionate and dedicated to getting everyone in the space community together and feeling a, a part of uh, something bigger than themselves and feeling heard and known and appreciated. And I challenge you to take on being the person you've always wanted to be because there's something that you came to Earth to do and hopefully that's something to do with space. Maybe it doesn't. And I challenge you to do it because if you don't do it, it doesn't get done. And we all need to step up and start being crew of Spaceship Earth. Thanks for being part of this journey. 
Thanks for being part of this community. And thank you so much for your support. And let's rock the planet. Thanks, Loretta. There are hundreds of Yui's Night events taking place around the world, and TGP Nominal is registered as an official virtual event, so you are taking part in Yui's Night just by listening to this podcast. In our show notes, you can learn about Yui Gagarin and watch videos of previous Yui's Night events, including live streams that we have hosted. Now it's time for a short break, and when we come back, we'll be joined by some regular contributors. Hello everyone, this is Steph Ebbs of the YouTube channel The Stimulus. One of the main reasons I started my channel was in the hopes of inspiring young people to pursue their interest in science, technology, engineering, and math careers, or STEM careers. And events like Yuri's Night are very important in achieving the same goal. In this case, promoting an interest in space exploration. Yuri's Night is a celebration of the achievements of the past that will likely inspire the heroes of the future that will lead us out into the solar system. And that's why Yuri's Night helps rock the planet. On canvas with paint in the artist's school. It is red that is hot and blue that is cool. But in science we show, as the heat gets higher, a star will glow red like the coals of a fire. Raise the heat some more and what is in sight? Behold, the star glows bright white. But the hottest of all, I say unto you, is neither red nor white when a star has turned blue. This is TGP Nominal. Hello and welcome to UK Astronomy's Guide to the April Skies. Now this one is a slightly shorter one, mainly because we wanted to get it out on Yuri's Night itself, which is the 12th. So we're going to talk about from the 12th to the end of the month. Now it's not a favourable month, sadly, for planets. Aww. Uh, Mercury is slowly popping up in the evening for us to see. And it's getting higher and higher, climbing, chasing Venus in the sky, who's also climbing higher towards Mars. So in the evening, as the sun sort of sets, you'll see a little Mercury there each day. It's getting higher and higher and higher slowly. But I do believe on the 12th, Mercury reaches its greatest elongation just after sunset. So from that point onwards now, for the rest of the month, it is now slowly going to be sort of like going back towards the sun and slowly getting lower and lower and lower. So probably today is one of the best times to see the small elusive planet. It was for the month climbing up towards Venus. Venus is really bright in the sky. You can't miss it at all. She's absolutely stunning. She's probably actually been one of the brightest I've ever seen her at the moment. She's really cool. She is still climbing and she's heading towards Mars. She's never going to catch Mars, but she's going towards her as quick as she can. So all three of those planets are there for you to see. Sadly, all the rest are kind of by the sun, so you can't really see them. Uranus is up in the evening, but with sort of like the sunset, I'm not sure you're going to get a decent enough little dark sky to see it. You never know, with a telescope, you might be able to just pick it out, but it's not his best. Saturn is peaking up in the morning now. It's rising around about 4am, but it is then closely followed by the sun as well, so not a great time to have a look. But as I said, the 12th, Mercury's right there, so hopefully you can see it. Just as it goes, you'll see the nice bright Venus, and just below you might see a little white dot, sort of diagonal right of it, and that's Mercury. And it is going to be slowly going back towards the sun. I believe the sun sets around about 7pm at the moment, so you should have a decent hour or so to see it, fingers crossed. If we move to the 13th, Venus is now going to be placed beautifully between the blue Pleiades cluster to the right and the redder V-shaped Hades cluster of stars in Taurus the Bull, which will be to its left. Uh, they're known as the Seven Sisters and Seven Brothers, so it's really cool different colours of stars there, with Venus really, really bright right in the middle of them. If we move to the 14th, tonight it's going to look like there's actually almost two Marses. One slightly smaller, it looked like a double star, because it's really close to a star called Metsuta. 
So it's M-E-B-S-U-T-A. It's also known as Epsilon Genorum, which funnily enough is found in the constellation of Gemini, which is kind of what its name says. This is a cool supergiant star on the right leg of Castor, the twin. In fact, it's brighter than the constellation's main stars and is around about 1,100 light years away. So through a telescope, you should be able to see Mars and this other star in the same field of view. With binoculars, it will look quite cool as well, so it will look like a double star. You can get a pic of your phone or your camera, maybe through your binoculars or through your telescope. You might even be able to do it just in the sky, because I know cameras and phones are really good now. Have a go, see if you can get this double star really cool on the 14th. Now, if we move forward to the 18th, Venus has now moved north of the Hades cluster, so the V cluster, that's Taurus the ball sort of head, moving north of that. And it just shows you how quickly the sort of planet moves over the month, getting higher and further away from the sun in our skies. The Goddess of Beauty will be getting higher, and at the moment, it's just over sort of half phase through telescopes. Uh, you might need a moon filter to help dim her down because she's really, really bright. So if you get a moon filter, you put it on the bottom of your eyepiece, pop it in your telescope, and it should dim it down enough. You'll see a really good phase there. You probably won't see much detail because she's just got tons of atmosphere and you can't see through it or anything like that. But you should be able to see a cool phase at the moment of how she is. If we go to the 21st, if you're lucky and have a good eye and a clear horizon, you might be able to spot Mercury and a really slender moon just as the sun sets this afternoon. Uranus is between the two, but with a setting sun, as I said earlier, it's going to be very hard to spot. Even with big telescopes, it's going to be difficult to see. But pop out, sit there watching the sunset, see if you can see this very small slender moon, and then you should see a little Mercury just by it, which would be a good signpost for you to find the planet if you haven't found it yet. We move forward another day. The crescent moon now moves near the Pleiades cluster we just spoke about, the Venus was by, and it will make a really lovely evening view. You'll have Venus not far up to the top left, and the other two clusters I spoke about, the Hades, the Pleiades, with a moon crescent right there. And luckily, the moon is then setting just in time for the Lyrid meteor shower. Now, I'm not going to speak about the Lyrid meteor shower because it's actually Will's object of the month. So if you have a listen to that, he'll tell you all about how you can see this meteor shower, what it's all about, maybe where it comes from and stuff like that. Now if we move to the 23rd, then the moon has now moved close to Venus. So it's catching up with Venus. So joining the actual two brightest objects in the sky now, they'll both be there together. Although it will still be quite a slender crescent, it does give us a sort of stunning sight in our night sky, both of them right there, these clusters underneath them and about. So it'll be a really cool thing to see. So hopefully it'll be a nice clear night for you on the 23rd. Moving on to the 26th, now the moon just sits to the left of Pollux, just a star in Gemini, forming a really cool sort of like line between the two main stars of Gemini, the constellation, with Mars sitting just kind of like below our moon, but getting slightly higher and brighter as it goes on. So you've got a line of kind of like the moon, Pollux, Gemini, and Mars just sitting there as well. We move to the 27th, the moon now sits north of the Beehive Cluster in Cancer the Crab. Now, although it's almost kind of like a half phase, it may wash out some of the clusters of the stars here. But for a pair of binoculars, this like cluster is awesome. It's really cool. It's practically in the middle of the X, which is Cancer the Crab. And it's a really nice cluster. A lot of people don't really see it because they're too, they're too busy looking at the Pleiades and stuff like that. But sit there and have a look. It's also known as Presepe, I believe, which is like P-R-A-S-E-P-E, -E, something like that. So it's the same cluster, but they just call it a different name. So have a look there, see if you can find the moon. Then just kind of, I believe it's called below left of the moon. You've got this really cool cluster of stars there. So happy Yuri's night, and remember, there's a billion worlds in your back garden. Hello, I'm Chris Lintot. Happy Yuri's night. Rock the planet. Hello there, it's Will from Will Photography and Twice Brood Stargazing, and he is my objects of the month that you can see with the naked eye. 
use binoculars to observe and also more powerful telescopes. So let's get started. With things to see with the naked eye, the absolute highlight for me in April has to be the Lyrids Meteor Shower. This year is going to be a great one. It actually peaks on the 22nd and 23rd of April and the Zenith hourly rate, which is under ideal conditions, if the Lyrid is right above you, you should expect to see about 18 shooting stars an hour. In reality, uh, in the UK, you're probably going to see about maybe 12, 13 an hour at its best, and it will be in the early hours of the 23rd. So some top tips is to get to a dark sky location and often people will say, you know, what direction should I be looking? My tip for you is to be looking north and south. It does depend on where the Lyrid is in the night sky for you. But if you look to the left or right of the constellation, I think that should be the hotspot and you should see hopefully quite a few shooting stars. So that's the Lyrid's meteor shower on the 22nd and 23rd of April. Binocular object of the month. Well, there's actually quite a lot of cool things to see. Uh, a lot of planetary conjunctions, conjunctions with uh, the moon as well. But definitely one of the highlights uh, for me this month will be a pretty cool conjunction of the planet Mars and the moon. Only a few degrees apart in the night sky, but using binoculars, you should be able to see both objects in the same frame. And there's something really special about seeing planets and the moon together as the moon orbits around the Earth. It very quickly visits other objects like planets or bright stars, but um, beautiful Mars conjunction towards the end of the month to look out for. Very, very good with binoculars. Telescope object of the month. Lots to choose from with the spring skies. And to be honest with you, a bit of a challenge for me to narrow down exactly what I wanted to share with you, but definitely I would recommend spotting the Leo triplet. Three galaxies visible with a telescope. Um, and even, you know, I would say beginner's telescope wouldn't have a problem with this located um, in Leo the Lion. So where you find Denebola, if you look around the four o'clock position to that, then you should be able to find three galaxies, the Leo triplet M65, M66, and an object known as the Hamburger galaxy, because it looks like a hamburger. So definitely really cool to be able to see the three galaxies in the same eyepiece with the telescope. That is my three objects of the month, guys. Happy hunting and uh, good luck. Catch you all later. Thanks, guys. In the show notes, you'll find more information about the items featured in both Ross's Sky Guide and Will's Objects of the Month, with diagrams on how to find them, videos explaining some of the jargon used, and links to further information. Right, we're going to take another short break, and when we return, get ready for something really outstanding. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton. Yuri's Night is a special celebration of the remarkable achievement of man's spaceflight. Do yourself a favor, go to www.yurisnight.net and find a party near you. Join with like-minded people and celebrate this very remarkable accomplishment, and let's set our sights on keeping this planet as safe and healthy as it possibly can be. Peace. Space. 
These are the voyages of TGP Nominal and its infinite mission to explore space, science, and technology news. To explore the world of sci-fi, comic-cons, and gaming. To boldly go where no podcast has gone before. On TGP Nominal, we get to chat with some amazing people from the realms of both science and sci-fi. But once in a blue moon, we come across people that really blow our mind. Have a listen to this. Mars. Mars is the fourth planet from the sun. It is on the very edge of the habitable zone. From the age of two, Aston Smith has been fascinated with what lies in the night sky. Now, age 10, he's just written his second book, All About Space. The first started in lockdown when his parents encouraged him to write down his research. They helped him make it into a book, which they hoped a few loved ones would buy. I put a post on Facebook for just my family to see, and it sold out in minutes. So we got 30 more printed, that sold out in minutes. 30 more printed, sold out in minutes. And before I knew it, we had a waiting list of over 200 people worldwide that wanted to buy his book. We ended up printing, I think, about 700 books. And a lot happened as a result. I mean, Tim Peake bought a copy, and he signed a copy and sent it to Aston, which was just phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. The family home has now become HQ for shipping out the second book, which has updated facts and drawings. For Aston, who's been diagnosed as autistic with ADHD, it's about showing off what he says his superpowers are and helping other children in the same position to explore theirs. So some people think that ADHD and autism can get in the way of what others do and everything. Others think that it's something bad in their lives and everything but truly although it can make you unable to do things that others can with ease it also enables you to do things that others can't with ease this book a perfect example of that for children like aston who struggle to concentrate while reading it has a new feature scan the qr code on the page and his voice will narrate it he's already had people write to him to say how much it's helped luckily his dad's a graphic designer and managed to help bring this vision to life well, it's, it's rather overwhelming. It uh, just gives you fantastic joy and happiness to, to see, you know, that you, your son thrive or any child thrive um, with, with their knowledge and with their expertise and, and to help push them forwards and, and to make them flourish. It just gives you great joy to be able to do that. Aston's passion for space grows with every look through the telescope and there are no plans to stop here. £2 from every book sold will go to the UK astronomy charity and the next goal is to get it into schools. With his dream only getting bigger and brighter, the sky's the limit. Siri Hampapur, ITV News, Northampton. It's been a really busy time for Aston because ITV News wasn't his only TV appearance recently. He also featured on BBC Breakfast. Things About Space is Aston Smith's second book and it's done so well he's relaunched it. Aston, who's autistic and has ADHD, has written it to help children like him focus on reading. He has also appeared on BBC Radio Northampton. 
lots of people now far more aware of what ADHD and autism are and learning that people living with those can accomplish brilliant things. We're going to hear now from a boy from Northamptonshire who's released his own book. It's got a special feature to help other children like him. He's called Aston Smith. To get to the narration, you need to pull out your camera and scan the QR code with your phone camera and then it will let me narrate the page out to you. This is kind of a double whammy. A burger, should I say. A sandwich or burger of audio books and visual books. If I were to find another person who had written a book with an audio book and the hard book itself together, I would put the audio book on and read along with it and that would help. I really do think that more books should have that option. It just makes it a lot easier for the kids that also have those syndromes and that struggle. We first spoke to Aston back in 2020, on Zoom I might add, when he published his first book called The Solar System, and he enjoyed his time on TGP Nominal so much that he mentioned us in his second book. In 2020, I was asked by Mark Taylor to take part in TGP Nominal's Garbage Pod Christmas Crossover podcast. Mark, who is the host of the podcast, was really kind and made me feel less nervous. I loved speaking with him. I was made a TGP nominal honorary crew member. There are lots of other people who are crew members, including lots of famous people who have things to do with space and who have been on TV and in films, like Star Wars. They do loads of cool interviews with people. I recommend you visit their website at www.tgpnominal.com. Weebly.com. It wasn't until Aston very kindly sent me a signed copy of Things About Space that I found out that we'd been mentioned in it. It was quite an emotional moment. I think the augmented reality QR code element in Things About Space is genius, and it took me right back to when I was a kid. When I was a young boy, we didn't have a VCR in our house. In fact, we didn't have one until 1989, but what I did have was a very active imagination, which kept me amused for hours. One day, I was out shopping in Woolies with my mum. Aylesbury had the biggest Woolworths in Europe at that time, with three floors, including a food hall and restaurant. Mum promised that she would treat me to something from the home entertainment section if I was good for the duration of the shopping trip, which I was, of course. Woolies had the most amazing home entertainment section, I'd never seen such a vast selection of records, cassettes and books in one place before. But then, I was only seven. I loved science fiction, and more to the point, Star Wars. But Star Wars stuff was always expensive. Although I had a feeling that Mum would say put it back, my eyes were drawn to something with the Star Wars characters on the cover. It was something I had never seen before. A long plain record telling the story of The Empire Strikes Back with a book that you could read along and best of all it had photos from the movie in it too. To my surprise mum said I could have it. I guess her thinking was anything that encouraged me to read was a good thing. It did more than that because when that record was playing I was immersed in my own fantasy world. The world of read along adventures. Read Along Adventures had been going since the 1960s in the States, but it didn't really catch on here in the UK until the early 1980s. The concept mostly stayed the same right through the series, but with a few tweaks here and there. The record, cassettes, 
or in later years, CD, always started the same. This is the story of Star Wars. Back to the future. Raiders of the Lost Ark. The Dark Crystal. Mary Poppins. Who framed Roger Rabbit? You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. When you hear the bullwhip crack like this. When you hear the chimes ring like this. Let's begin now. And then you went off onto another adventure. Many of the early stories were of Disney movies, but as time passed, all kinds of movies and TV shows were covered. Some of the stories were narrated by character actors from the original movies. For example... Hi, I'm Chunk, and I'm going to tell you about the neatest thing that ever happened to me and my Goonie friends. Hi, I'm Gertie, and I'm going to tell you the story of E.T. Hello, I am C-3PO, and you are about to listen to the story of Star Wars, A New Hope. You can also read along with the story in your book. Unless you are already programmed to know when the pages end, you will know it is time to turn the page when you hear this sound. But most of the time they were played by similar sounding bit part actors. But when you add music and sound effects, that's when your imagination takes over. Read Along Adventures spawned a flood of other companies copying the concept. Some were really good, but others cringeworthy. Ladybird Books in conjunction with Pickwick Records in the UK, released a range of children's stories on book and tape sets. From fairy tales to classic adventures like Treasure Island and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's The Lost World. These were superbly produced with some excellent voice acting, but then you would expect that from a respected name like Ladybird Books. One of the most sought after versions of the genre was a limited edition box set produced as a tie-in for the release of the movie E.T. The Extraterrestrial. This version of the story was narrated by Michael Jackson and I am lucky enough to own a mint condition copy of it. You can listen to versions of this on YouTube. There is a website dedicated to the Read Along Adventure series and I will put a link up to it. I will leave this little insight to Read Along Adventures with a small extract from Michael Jackson reading the magical story of E.T. Then a miracle. Elliot noticed E.T.'s wilted flower was moving. A light opened up in E.T.'s heart, growing brighter and brighter. From orange to yellow to white. E.T. from home. Okay, the technology was different, but the concept was still the same. These books really helped a young Mark enjoy reading, and I still get a nostalgic buzz from hearing read-along adventure stories. If you would like a copy of Things About Space, you can purchase them from www.astonsmith.me.uk. That's www.astonsmith.m for mother, e for egg.uk. Hello, ciao, bonjour, hello, and привет. I'm Samantha Cristoforetti, Italian ESA astronaut on board of the International Space Station, humanity's outpost in low Earth orbit. Living and working up here, weightless in space, constantly free-falling around our home planet, 
gives me a proud sense of following in the footsteps of humanity's first explorer of space, Yuri Gagarin. On the 12th of April each year, the international space community joins together to celebrate and commemorate Yuri's flight into space back in 61. Today, I am glad to join from above the globe your festive celebrations. No matter where your Yuri's Night event is taking place right now, remember the historic moment and keep in your minds and souls. Exploration of space is the destiny and the future of humanity. Enjoy and rock the planet. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialize in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. So we've come to the end of our Yuri's Night annual podcast for 2023. Before I go, I'd like to thank Loretta Whitesides, Ross Hockham, and Will Photography for taking time out to come on board. I'd also like to thank Steve Dix from Liquid Management for giving us permission to use public service broadcasting's Gagarin for our Yuri's Night podcast theme. If you haven't heard Public Service Broadcasting's Race for Space album, go check it out. It's absolutely awesome. Next month, my regular co-host John Berger will be back for some transatlantic banter, as well as the Sky Guide, Objects of the Month, and loads more. In the meantime, that leaves me to say thanks for listening, stay safe, and rock the planet. Got it. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.